0: Hey guys, this is Molly and we are in episode 11. Today I'm talking about what I've learned about marriage. Many of you know I'm divorced, but did you know that I'm so pro-marriage? And I want to be able to share the things that I have learned to encourage anyone who is married to be able to have a better, more successful, more godly marriage. So that is what we're talking about today. that listening to this like gets you on the right note because starting out a new week can be hard. It can be overwhelming. I don't know about you, but I always feel like there's so many more things I need to get done and not enough time to get them all done. But here's my little motivational Monday for you. It's not what the podcast is gonna be about, but I think it can encourage you with the start of your week. I was reading about the story of Hagar and Ishmael and when Abraham and Sarah basically push them out to go be in the desert, like you're going to be homeless now. And once Hagar ran out of water, she thought we're going to die. And in that moment, she, you know, called out to God and God said, he said, you know, don't worry, I'm going to provide for you. And he opened up her eyes and showed her where a well was. And they were able to live in the desert and, and God took care of them. And it was a reminder to me that, God's going to provide the necessary tools and the necessary things that you need to make it through. Because we can feel overwhelmed, but God is never overwhelmed with what's going on in our lives. And he has the exact things that we're going to need. He has the strength to give us for just today. You know, we don't need to have the strength for tomorrow or the next day or for the month or for the year. But he has given us the strength for today. And I think that's really encouraging to be reminded of that and for me especially as a single mom it's like so many times I'm just like how am I supposed to handle this all I feel a lot of burden on my shoulders and that's when I just have to stop and remember that I don't have to worry about what my next year is going to be like my next month is going to be like but just today that God's grace is sufficient to carry me through today so I hope that encourages you Before we get into what we're talking about today, I wanna say again that I would love it if you took like one second to rate this podcast. I know that writing a review is like going above and beyond and I don't think I've actually ever reviewed a podcast. Sorry, gotta say that. So I get that if you don't feel like writing something out. My friend Julie did leave a wonderful, sweet review and I'm so thankful for that. Thank you, Julie. Um, But if you wanna rate it, Also, if you're like listening and you're like, hey, I could just take a screenshot of this, post it on my Instagram stories, and share with my friends, I would love that. That would be awesome to be able to get the word out a little bit more about Mondays with Molly, so just think about those things. Well, today we are talking about things I have learned in marriage, and I decided that I wanted to divide up this topic in two parts. So today we're talking about what I've learned about marriage. Next week it's going to be about what I've learned about divorce. So come back for next week's uh, second part of this podcast. Um, the first thing I want to just talk about is that one thing I learned and well let me take a step back here. Let's talk about how old I was when I got married. So I was 22, almost 22 when I got married. So young and a year after we got married, we had Emma. You can hear some of the story in my mom life story, but I was young when I got married and my former husband was the first person I had ever dated, ever kissed, all of that. It was, it was a first for me and everything. And so I went into being married and, um, not knowing a lot of what it would be like, I mean, I had the example of my parents who have just a wonderful, great marriage, but going into marriage, being young and not experiencing a lot of life, uh, was it was a huge learning curve and. I'm not saying I'm not a fan of getting married young because I think that God designs for us to be married, get married at different ages in life. And so maybe when we're young, we're going to have like a bigger learning curve than maybe when someone who's a little bit older, but maybe not. I think it's all just different for everybody. So I do want to say that. But the first thing I wanted to say is that marriage takes learning as a student, I think sometimes we think that marriage should come easy because if you love somebody, then shouldn't loving them be easy? But that's not really true because marriage isn't gonna come naturally to anyone because serving and giving and sacrificing doesn't come naturally to any of us. In our innate nature, we are selfish, sinful beings, and marriage is all about sacrifice. So I think that, going into it saying, I need to be a student. I need to be willing to learn, maybe from books, maybe from other people watching other marriages, asking advice from other people, taking the time to invest in your marriage by going to conferences together, and most importantly, just listening to your spouse and getting to know them better. But if we go into marriage as I need to be a student, then I think it will catch us less off guard when we're like, why is this so hard? And it's like, well, of course, because you're learning something new. You know, remember when we learned to ride bikes and like, that was hard. I remember learning to ride a bike and falling on the pavement and scratching up my elbow really bad. And like, that's like all part of the process of learning something new. And Unlike riding a bike, once you ride a bike, you like, you always know how to ride a bike. Marriage is like this constant learning and growing experience. I'm sure if you asked anyone who's been married for 30 plus years, they would say, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, growing because we change as people and we have to learn even more. I also wanna talk about communication because this is so huge. You know the whole phrase, communication is key. I know that sounds cliche, but it really is true. And communication, being able to communicate well, kind of unlocks the key to, I feel like, a lot of different components of your marriage. And communication is not just you being able to share, but is important, especially for people who maybe don't know how to share and express how they feel. Y'all know that I love to share, or else I wouldn't be doing this podcast talking and being open is is a big part of like who I am. But communication is not just sharing. It's also being a good listener, which is not as much a strength of mine, something I have to work on. And it's also seeking to understand the other person. These are vital keys in growing in your relationship. And when I mean understanding, seeking to understand someone, I feel like I thought, when I first got married, that if I was to understand my spouse, then it meant that I had to totally get where they were coming from and totally agree and just be able to fully put myself in their shoes and be like, yeah, I get it. I get where you're coming from. But I've learned that understanding doesn't mean you get the whole reason or you get totally where they're coming from or maybe like why they were hurt by something. It doesn't mean that necessarily. It means that you seeking to understand is you being willing to seek to help them and to adjust to that other person's needs. It's like having that compassionate heart and saying like, okay, I hear you. I'm sorry for the pain I caused, or I, I really want to work on this with you, and I'm willing to adjust myself to help your needs. Okay, so I'm going to read a passage here in James that kind of talks about what we're talking about here. Here I go flipping my Bible, James 1 19. And it says, um, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you really weren't listening to them because you were only thinking about like the next thing that you wanted to say, the next thing that you wanted to share, or even like, We do this sometimes when we're in an argument. We're not really listening to the person. We're just thinking about our next comeback. And this passage is just talking so much about being quick to listen and slow to speak. This is this is advice that I need to take for my own life and it applies to like any relationship. Um, but it is really important because a lot of times when we are quick to uh, share, sometimes we are quick to sin when we're not really listening to the other person. I also wanted to read that in... I also wanted to read, sorry. Here we go. Proverbs 18:2 that says a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. That's Proverbs 18:2. It is foolish to just be wanting to share our opinion, our reason for things and not be willing to listen, and that can get us into like a world of hurt if we're not willing to humble ourselves and be less self-centered by being a good listener. It's also really important to be willing to compromise with your spouse on everyday issues and preferences to create your own family unit. And I said the word family unit. I said that really weird, but that's what I I want to make sure you knew what word I said. Family unit. Here we go. Um, I think that When you get married to someone, you bring with yourself your own ideas of the way you think family should be run, the way you think everyday things should be run. When should we eat dinner? Like, should we go to bed at the same time together? Uh, How do you squeeze the toothpaste tube? Which I know everyone says that joke about, do you squeeze it like just all together or do you like roll up the end? But all these things that you kind of have to go into marriage saying, How can I compromise to create our new family unit? And on these everyday issues and preferences that are not really spiritual issues, it's important that you go into it saying that my way isn't necessarily the right way. And that's something that I look back on in my marriage that I regret because. I was very like, no, like things should be this way because I think it's the right way. But I think it's so important for us to step back and say like, well, is this really a right or wrong issue or is it just like a preference? Is this just a family tradition that I think should be this way? But really, I've got to talk with my spouse and decide together how we are going to orient our new family because it's creating a whole new family. It's not just taking the way I was raised, and this is how we're gonna do it now. It's kind of meshing those two pasts together, your past and the other person's past to create a new future together. So I have a little side note here. When I asked on Instagram any questions you guys had on marriage, um, one of my friends asked me about boundaries with your in-laws. And I thought this was a great little time to add in this side note how to have good boundaries with your in-laws, especially in relation to when you have kids. And I think it goes back to the same concept of creating your own family unit. When you get married with your spouse, they have to be your number one, and your parents become a little bit secondary. And so when you're thinking about I feel like we need to have certain boundaries with with my in-laws or with my parents because certain things they do, like I don't want to have in my new family or maybe I don't feel totally comfortable with my kids being at their house because, you know, such and such things are going on with them and you really have to decide together what are our boundaries going to be and then communicate that with your in-laws and be Willing to maybe ruffle some feathers. Maybe that relationship with your parents or your in laws are not going to stay the same. But if your reasons for setting these boundaries are because you believe this is the healthiest way for us to have a good family and a good marriage, then that's really what has to be your number one issue. It can't be like I got to please everybody and make everyone happy because sometimes that's not possible. But What's most important is you creating a healthy new family together. Okay, so I said that we need to be willing to compromise on everyday issues and preferences. But I want to be clear that we should not be willing to compromise on God's truth. Because we are answerable to God alone for our own actions. So if your spouse is asking you to do something or go along with something that you know clearly is against God's word, then that's not an area to compromise on at all. And it's important that you stand up for what you know is true and what you believe is true. And and that's an opportunity if you see your spouse doing something that you're like, this is not godly, and or they're asking you to do something that's not godly. That's a, an opportunity to pull in support from other people to get help with what's going on. But I think uh, sometimes, especially like in the Christian culture of wives submit to your husbands, that scripture verse gets misled into thinking that wives should just go along with like whatever their spouse wants them to do. And that's not how God designed things because like I said, we're answerable to God alone. And yes, we should submit to our husband's leadership, but remembering that your husband and you yourselves are ultimately responsible to God alone. Okay, so moving on. I think that something that I learned in marriage, and this is my next point, is that it's important to be aware of your flaws and weaknesses and be willing to grow. When you get married, suddenly things that you never knew about yourself, you realize that, wow, I have major issues in this area. Like, hmm, I get angry. I never thought I would get angry. I never thought that I had a little bit of a temper. I think, and I'm saying these things for like myself. Like I, I realize like, oh, like I'm a little fiery sometimes and not always a good fiery. Um, but when you learn those flaws and those weaknesses, it is an opportunity to grow. Your weaknesses and your flaws are not excuses To be just like, well, this is just the way I am, so sorry, you're going to have to put up with me. No, it's an opportunity to learn how to grow as a person, as well as probably, possibly to learn from your spouse, um, who may be better in those areas. Because I think a lot of times we get married to someone because we see in them strengths that we don't have. And then suddenly when we get married, those strengths that maybe our spouse has can turn into, like, irritations. But instead of being like, oh, those things bug me, maybe it's a good time to be like, hmm, maybe they bug me because those are areas that, like, I'm not good at, and I need to learn from my spouse how to how to grow in those areas and be a student of my spouse and be willing to say, to ask them, like, hey, what can I do to be a better Spouse to you because I know I've got these struggles or whatever. I think that's so important to be open with your spouse and say, hey, what can I do to be a better spouse? And that is an area of humility because it's not easy to open yourself up to that. But like you have to be humble to have a great marriage. Okay. Next thing is, a good marriage is based on both people giving 100%, not each person giving 50%. I think when I got married, I kind of thought that, well, like, we should each do halfway on things. Like, I do this much, and you do this much, and we kind of have, like, our, our set, like, these are the things I do, these are the things you do, and then that should work out to be a good relationship. But I've learned that marriage is not about like 50-50 or kind of the concept of, well, I did this for you, so what are you gonna do for me now? That will make your marriage tank. But if you go into marriage saying, I wanna give 100% of myself, I'm gonna go 100%, and I'm not gonna be keeping track of like, today I took the trash out, so tomorrow it's your turn to take the trash out. I mean, of course you have to communicate what your needs are, and communicate like how we can work together. But if it's always like, I did this, so what are you going to do for me? Then your marriage is not going to be great. But if you're in it to say, I'm going to serve 100% and not always expect to get someone to serve me back in return, then you're going to have an awesome marriage. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I think that's such a good verse because really an ideal, wonderful marriage is built up on two people giving 100% and looking to the interests of the others. The other person, And so if you're looking to the interests of the other person and they're looking to the interests of you, then your needs are going to be met. And there will always be phases in your marriage where you're going to give a little bit more because maybe they're struggling. But at the end of the day, it's not a check off the list. I did this, so what are you going to do for me? This next thing that I learned in marriage has been really crucial and I feel like it's something that I'm still learning in singleness and that is that your spouse cannot be your end all be all. I think as women we get this idea when we get married that oh, our spouse is just going to be wonderful and they're just going to be perfect and it's going to be like the movies and they're just going to know what I need, be able to read my mind and and just fulfill that need for love completely and fully And I realized that only God can fill that hole within all of us. And if you expect your spouse to fulfill you in every way, it will literally suck the joy out of your relationship because you will be asking too much from that other person. And I saw that in myself that I was expecting more like perfection and expecting like the end-all be-all, that my spouse should be that. And I have been learning that God is the only one that can truly satisfy our heart's longings. And I think this is probably a learning process that we will grow in and continue to learn throughout our whole lives. Because it is in our, I think, innate nature to always Try to look to other things, things that are maybe more right in front of us to fulfill us up because sometimes we can feel like, well, God, like you're not tangible, like you're not a person, you're not a thing like right here, right now, but God is with us through everything and he knows us fully, completely, better than anyone else will ever know us. And he knows how to love us fully, completely. And really, he is the only one that can love us fully and completely. Because marriage is two sinners getting married, committing their lives to grow in serving Christ together. And perfection will never be obtained on this side of heaven. But Christ can fill our heart's longings. And when we look to Christ and we get our satisfaction from him, then we're not going to be sucking that out from our spouse and we'll be able to kind of hold on to our spouse into more of a more of a looser grip instead of this like tighter hold of control. In conclusion to everything I've talked about, I want to just nail down the point that the only way any of us could ever be a great spouse is by christ regenerating us from the inside out because we could read all the books we ever wanted to the podcast get advice from people but it's not going to do this inside out transformative work it's only jesus that can do that work and through the fruits of the spirit being expressed in our lives as we read god's word and spend time with him and in prayer you know Since I'm honest with you guys, and we're friends now, right, on the podcast, I'm going to tell you that I tried online dating, and oh my, online dating is like the weirdest thing, and people say weird things. People post weird, bizarre pictures of themselves. I'm like, hmm, you really thought that that was like a really attractive picture to post of you and a donkey, or like you like laying in bed, like, no, no, like, you're probably like, staying at your mom's house still and you're like 40. I don't know. Anyways, so something funny that someone wrote that I was like, wow, hmm, this is not someone that I would want to ever talk to. They basically had to answer a prompt and it said, don't hate me if I, and then you had to say your answer. And so his answer was, don't hate me if I act like a jerk. I'm just being defensive. And I was like, hmm, wow, yeah, I, I really thought that I wanted to be with someone that says they act like a jerk. (laughs) Normally people put their best foot forward. So I was thinking about the fruits of the spirit. And what if someone on their dating profile said that this is what they strive for, to have the fruits of the spirit. And this was like who they were. So the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like if someone, those were their characteristics, you'd be like, wow, they're amazing. I would love to be with them. And those are the characteristics that we all like wanna have in our lives. And especially in marriage, these are the characteristics that are gonna make you a great spouse. Being faithful, being gentle, being patient, being kind, of course. But if we're just going to try to kind of get the gumption to, create those things in, in ourselves, like I'm just going to be kinder, I'm just, I'm just going to be more patient, like it's not going to come, it only comes through the transformative work of Christ working through us and in us, and so that's how I kind of wanted to sum things up to remind all of us, including myself, that it really is like what I say, probably almost on every podcast, that Jesus really is the answer for everything, I just want to pray for everyone who is married today and everyone who maybe wants to be married and doesn't feel like that desire has been met yet. I just want to pray for both people in those situations. So here we go. Lord, I just pray for anyone who is married today that you would protect their marriage. Lord, protect them from the enemy, Lord. Strengthen them. Help them to look to you for their everything and look to you, to regenerate their hearts, to make them into more of a godly spouse, more of a loving spouse. And I pray for anyone who is not married and wants to be in, and just things that I shared today is just like, oh yeah, I really would love to be with somebody and, and have that close relationship with someone. Lord, I pray that they would trust and trust themselves to your timing and your plan for their lives, knowing that you love them and that you have the best plan for them and that ultimately true satisfaction is only going to come in you alone. And it's not something way out there, but that true satisfaction comes only from you, both for married people and for non-married people. That satisfaction, God, is only in you. And Lord, help us all to... Have that ever and continually upon our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before I close things out, I do want to say that if you're feeling like right now that your marriage is really hard and you just aren't sure how to handle things, I want to encourage you to come back next week for part two of this series where I'm talking about what I learned in divorce. I hope that it will give you some tools if your marriage is on the rocks and and maybe it will help you to keep going and pushing forward. So come back next week. I will talk to you guys later and have a wonderful week, you guys. Bye.